Hey friend, hope you're enjoying the podcast and these incredible stories of people who are walking through difficult challenges and traumas and finding hope on the other side of them. As many of our guests have shared, healing is a journey, and I want to take a moment to let you know about an incredible tool we offer here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries to help you on your healing journey. Our Pain to Purpose course is truly the heart of what we do. It's a practical, life-changing, proven path to help you move from whatever trauma, tragedy, or trial you have faced in, in your life into a life of healing and purpose. But I don't want you to just take my word for it. Listen to what Michelle, a Pain to Purpose participant, shared about her experience with the course. I lost my daughter in November of 2018. She was married, had two young children, and it was just a terrible accident. I was definitely struggling with all the whys. The most beneficial part I found was the whole course, but um, that I needed to lean into my pain. I needed to process my pain, acknowledge it, because you had to feel it to go to process um, and come out on the other side. If you're ready to lean into your pain and come out on the other side like Michelle, I want to invite you to sign up now for the Pain to Purpose course by going to course.nothingiswasted.com. Again, that's course.nothingiswasted.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube, Click the link right below. There you'll get access to all the course videos and everything you need to start moving from pain to purpose. Listen, pain is an, it's inevitable, but you don't have to walk through it without the tools that can bring deeper healing. Let us guide you through whatever you're facing currently. Go to course.nothingiswasted.com. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey, and joining me, we have a very guest co-host, Vanitha Reisner. Vanitha, so good to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here, Davey. I'm excited to talk about these My goodness. This has been so fun to have you uh, just integrate a little bit more with us in the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Nothing Is Wasted ministry. You've just recently, in the time of people listening to this, done a masterclass with us, which right now we're recording this actually before you give that masterclass. I'm so excited about that, by the way. Oh, thank you. You know, it's funny because I'm passionate about people um, really leaning into other people in their suffering. And I know you are too. So I love yeah. getting to talk about that and how we can really help yeah. other people use the things that we've learned through our own pain. So, Well, we're having so many people ask that question. You know, we've done so much in the, since the beginning of Nothing Is Wasted. We've done so much to help people who are in pain. And now we have a lot of people that uh, we call them our empathetic Emilies. <laughs> they are the people who are kind of on the, they've either moved through, they're on the other side, or they're listening to this in the first place because they have people who they have in their life, family members, friends who are hurting and they're going, how can I help? They just have this empathetic heart. Maybe they're in ministry, maybe they're not, you know, but we started going, man, we need to, we need to put some more resources together to empower people to help others around them. You know, none of us want to be like, Job's friends, right? And we're, they're just, so, so we're like, okay, well, how do we actually do that? Cause we all feel the burden, but we feel awkward as well. 
when we're stepping into other people's pain, not necessarily know it. We feel kind of clumsy. Like, what do I do? How do I help? And so this is going to be such a great resource for people. Well, I'm excited. Honestly, I have written some stuff down that I wrote down years ago and I still read it mm. because I do dumb things. In the moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to say. So it's it's helpful. Even if you have been an empathetic Emily, sometimes you need a primer. Yeah, it's so true. It's very true. You know, um, the, what we've got, you know, people can access that thing, you know, tonight. If they didn't access it live tonight, then they can go to our Community Plus platform, nothingiswasted.com slash Community Plus, and you can become a Community Plus member and you can access all of our previous master classes. And I'm, I'm, so I'm really excited about that. I'm also excited about this interview that we have today with Kobe Campbell. Um, she's an award winning licensed trauma therapist, she's an author, she's a media expert, and a speaker. And I was unbelievably impressed with her, Vanitha. I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to peer into this conversation with her. I mean, it's incredible. She's awesome. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I just thought she had so much wisdom to share and in just such a winsome way. I can't wait to talk about this. She has come out with a book called Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma, and Restore Your Faith. And this is something I've been thinking a lot about. I think it's because of the season that we're in in parenting where I just see so much of, um, you know, even the stuff that I've dealt with in the past that I've had to work through with the Lord, stuff that my wife has dealt with. I've, and we're seeing that kind of emerge in our kids. And I see like generational cycles, generational sin curses coming out like right in front of my face. And so this was such a fascinating conversation as we dove into uh, this with Kobe. I'm really excited for for you guys as you're listening to this, you're watching this for you guys to take part in this. You know, we um, we want to help you on whatever you're doing right now, wherever you've you found yourself in, if you found yourself in a space of trauma, tragedy, major life transition, we want to help you take back your story no matter what you're going through. And so there is a first step. If you're going, what's the first step? to dive into more resources that Nothing Is Wasted provides. We have a thing called, uh, it's called our Five Steps to Taking Back Your Story Zoom Call. And it's live, it's free. I do it usually twice a month. Sometimes I do it once a month. But you can go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here. If anything in this conversation or other conversations has really prompted you and said, I need to dive into this a little bit more. I'm going through something. I'd love to figure out and learn how I can begin taking back my story. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Vanitha is going to join me on the back end of this conversation. We're going to have some more commentary on it. I'm excited for you to hear from her. Um, but first, let's listen to this little conversation I have with Kobe Campbell. Well, Kobe, it's so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Well, I'd love for you to start by just introducing yourself a little bit. Tell us uh, where you're at in life right now. You know, where do you live? What's your family like? And then we'll dive into what kind of brought you into the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I am Kobe Campbell. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is where I have my practice, the Healing Circle Therapy and Wellness Center. Um, we provide trauma therapy. I love focusing on trauma mostly because of my own trauma. <laughs> I felt like I, you know, fell into this work because I wanted to be the person that I knew I needed. Mm. And really, I wanted to embody the person I felt like the Holy Spirit was to me in like my my hardest and worst moments. I have two adorable sons, Levi and Makai, uh, 
five and three, almost three. And they are so fun. We wrestle almost every single day. We race outside almost every single day. So they keep me, um, they keep me moving. Uh, I have an incredible husband. His name's Kyle. He's a finance nerd and um, he's really into the wellness space as well. He's a mental health coach. So we kind of just love to help people heal and help people see that God's with them in the suffering and that he's not waiting for, you know, them to stop being in pain to show up for them. Wow. Wow. I love that. You know, one of the things you just said yeah. too was that you wanted to embody in other people's lives, what the Holy Spirit was for you, right? And that's such an important aspect of us being kind of our own as wounded healers, you know, yeah. as Henry Nouwen kind of coined it, that we, through our yeah. own pain, through our own trauma, we can comfort others with the same comfort that we received as well. And we can be yeah. almost be the hands and feet of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in other people's lives. Um, yeah. and, and and I just, I, I, I'm curious, you know, I want to dive into a little bit of, of why you do this work, the, your own story that brought you to this space. And, I, and I'd love for you to share some of the ways the Holy Spirit really showed up for you because as oh we gosh, hear that yeah. from other people, right? It begins to open our eyes up to look for the Holy Spirit in our own story. And so would you just share a little bit about your own, your own trauma and then how God's yeah. been showing up for you in that? Yeah, you know, I... Um, in 2013, I had a suicide attempt. Mm. I grew up in the church. I grew up um, going to church, very involved. Well, my family was very involved in church and ended up going to college and just, you know, it wasn't the, there's one big moment that led me to say, I don't want to live anymore. It was really just like overall exhaustion. And that's mm. where I find a lot of my clients that like it's thing after thing after thing after thing. And when you say it out loud, the individual thing doesn't seem big enough to like the people around you, but you know, that thing is like the hundredth thing that you've had to deal mm. with, that you've had to carry, that you've had to bear. And so uh, who is now my brother-in-law was like the weird Christian friend who was always asking us to go to Bible study. And we were like, no, you can drive us to the club though, because Uber didn't exist. <laughs> and so, uh, and he was that person. He just was always there regardless. We would like literally say no to Bible study. And then he would like just drive us around to wherever we wanted to go, like party or do whatever. And um one night I got home from a party and I was just feeling particularly low and just kind of felt like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. This is this is tiring. And like, I don't even know if you're really out there. Do you see me? Do you care? And ended up taking some pills and drinking some alcohol, writing a letter to my sister. I have a twin sister writing a letter to my sister, to my roommates, just apologizing and saying, you know, I'm just done. I lay down to go to sleep and uh, I put my phone under my pillow and I got a text from uh, my brother-in-law, Brent, and he said, hey, I was praying. The Lord told me that you took some pills and you drank some alcohol and he told me mm. to tell you you're not going to die tonight. He told me to tell you that he has a purpose for your life and that you're going to live. I was wow. terrified. I was embarrassed. Cause it was like, oh my gosh, someone wow. sees me. And then also like, wow, someone sees me. Like the joy of that, wow. the fear of that. And um, 
you know, I was like, okay, just freaked out. And I was like, you know what? I, that's probably the things I took. I'm just going back to sleep. So I tried to like mm. go back to sleep, turn my phone off, but my phone wouldn't turn off. And he texted me all night saying like, God sees you. He said to rip up that letter. He said he has a purpose for your life. And, mm. you know, I think in that moment, there was just something beyond, there was something beyond the physical world I was in. There was something beyond the physical pain that like, even though nothing had changed in that moment, it felt like just like an awareness of like someone's here with me. Um, so he stayed up with me all night. I went to church the next day and and um, gave my life to the Lord and said yes to Jesus. Didn't wow. even really know what that meant, but just like, okay, God. I remember just like laying on the floor at church and just crying because there was just this grief, just this pain that like I felt like I could never let out. It was never appropriate to let out. It was mm -hmm. never, you know, allowed. And, you know, as you're praying before we started, I just kept hearing keep crying. I don't know who that's for, mm. but I kept hearing keep crying. Like to cry mm. out requires trust. To cry out requires courage. Yeah. To cry out requires the a belief that someone cares about hearing the sound of your pain. Mm. And I think a lot of us, including me, just felt like mm. nobody cared. It was kind of like people cared more about how inconveniencing the sound of your pain was than they cared about mm. the fact that you were in pain. Um and so I uh, gave my life to Christ and was on that spiritual high for two weeks. And then I started <laughs> feeling the depression come back. Wow. You know, I started to feel the anxiety come wow. back. And I didn't understand. I had such a visceral experience that I was like, I know God is real, but help me understand why this mm. depression anxiety exists. Um, so I saved up my, my food money <laughs> from school and went to a therapist every Tuesday at 3.15 and it changed my life. Mm. It changed my life. It gave me such a such a perspective shift about how God responds to our mental health, how God responds to our trauma, how God dwells with us, how to develop awareness of his dwelling. And so I knew I wanted to be that. I wanted to be that for people who looked like me. I wanted to be that for people who share the same beliefs as me. Mm. And so that's a lot of what led me into this space was me hitting rock bottom and just getting that line of hope and just finding that that little line of hope like would lead me for the rest of my life. Mm, man, it's unbelievably powerful. I mean, how amazing and personal is it the Holy Spirit stepping into your story in that moment yeah. and through a, a friend giving yeah. that person the in, insight to say, hey, I, I, I see you, I know what's going on. And um, yeah. that's what I love about in each one of our stories. God does that in such a personal way, like a custom tailored yes. way that only can speak to us. Yep. That's how personal he is. And yep. it, it brings into us this feeling of, like you said, I'm, I'm seen, I'm, I, yeah. I'm understood by somebody, right? Even though it doesn't yeah. feel like a lot of the world and a lot of church world can understand what I'm going through. Jesus yep. understands it. Yeah, and that can give me a reason to live another day and and sort all of this out. I'm really curious too, Kobe. Like mm -hmm. as you're going through this this time with your therapist, were there particular things like major, almost like milestones or pivots? Or you know, I know you said that it shifted your perspective. 
And yeah. for some of us, I know that can be just kind of a long shift, like a long rotation into a different, but then in other instances, I, you know, I've experienced in my own life, my own healing journey. And, and as I've heard other people talk about, they're these big, like major big shifts, like these, these pivoting moments where you're going, oh my gosh, that just unlocked something or released something in, in me. Do you rem- remember any of those um, particular maybe yes. mindsets that you that were broken. Yeah, for sure. I think I struggled a lot with, um, in the beginning with the stigma of going to therapy, you know? And I remember Mm. just talking through with my therapist that like, when you say yes to Jesus, it's just simply saying yes to him. It doesn't mean you know how to live with him. It doesn't mean you know how to dwell with him. It's almost like agreeing to move in with someone. Just because you agree to move in with them doesn't mean you actually know what it looks like to dwell with them sure. day to day. Oh, you know? good way of putting it. And wow. so, yeah. like, uh, I now tell my clients, like, the analogy that, like, going to therapy is saying yes to healing. Like, acknowledging your trauma is saying yes to healing. But that doesn't mean you need to, you know how to live healed. That's why you have to continue to go through the process of therapy, right? Mm-hmm. The same thing is true with our relationship with God. Saying yes to Jesus doesn't mean we know how to dwell with Jesus. Doesn't know mean we know how to live like Jesus. And I remember getting that shift that, like, oh, it's okay for me to learn how to experience God in my pain, mm. Like, it's not, it doesn't have to be this innate, like, I'm deeply aware that God's present. And, like, that experience was powerful, but I found myself trying to take that super intense experience into every day. And when it wasn't there, I felt like God wasn't there. Mm. And it was, like, developing awareness, like a contemplative awareness of God's presence. Um, I will also say another huge shift for me, going through um, the EMDR process, Mm. which is a type of trauma therapy and trauma healing that's holistic in the way of your mind and your body. And I remember my therapist saying, I want you to imagine that— uh, Jesus is in the room, this room where I was abused. Uh, I want you to imagine that. She says, just close your eyes and just imagine, just like sit and see what happens as you imagine that in your in your heart. And I was like, okay. And I did that. And I literally like did it thinking I'm not going to see anything. Close my eyes and I see Jesus in the corner of the room, mm. walking over to me, taking my hand and pulling me away from this traumatizing situation. And I remember just like breaking down and crying because I felt like because it happened, it meant that God wanted it to happen. Because Mm. it happened, it was like God saying, it's okay for this to happen. Mm. And getting that to experience that moment where I saw God, Jesus, as, as grieved as I was, as distraught, as saddened, as heartbroken as I was, was just this moment where I felt like in the most like emotional way, it felt like laying my head on the chest of Jesus. It felt like, mm. okay, you're safe. Like you're not one of the people I have to prove my pain to. Wow. You're not one of the people I have to over explain to. You're one of the people I can just come to and let it out and you already know. Um and so there were there have been many moments, but I think the moments where I realized the heart of the shifts were always realizing that God was not angry at me for being in pain. Mm. He was a resource for my pain. He mm. was a source of comfort for my pain. Um, and that's a lot of the shifts I walk my clients 
through is like, God is not watching and judging you being in pain. He is just as grieved. And when we get to see that perspective become awakened to it, we get to hold on tighter to him instead of run away. Mm. Wow. So good. Just out of curiosity, you know, categorically, Mm -hmm. you mentioned EMDR and and I was already thinking, you know, I'm curious if you were to label what type of therapy you do or types of therapy you do, you know, categorically, what would you describe? Like, this is the kind of therapy. I I just talked to a therapist the other day and she was like, Mm -hmm. listen, I don't, I'm not talk therapy at all. I am RRT, rapid release, right? She's like, I'm rapid release. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for talk therapy, that's something else. You're not going to want to come and see me, you know? And so she was able to, put it into categories for me in some way and say, this is what you can expect when you come and see me. What would people need to expect if they're going to come and see you? For sure. So I do a lot of experiential therapy and somatic therapy. That means um, healing through experiences and healing in a way that affects not just your perspective of things, but the biological reactions that have come from those perspectives. And so what that Mm. looks like is kind of an integration of EMDR, psychodrama, experiential therapies, um, somatic processing. And so I was just telling a friend yesterday that just because we learn something, just because we get the new information for a perspective shift does not mean our body has caught up with the truth. You can know that someone is safe. Someone can apologize and say, oh my God, I didn't mean to step on your foot. You know, Um, that doesn't mean that they're not going to feel a sense of tension around you physically when they're in your presence. Because we can know something, but that doesn't mean our body has been wired to feel that thing um, and be Mm. aligned with that. So a lot of what I do is help people with a mindset mindset shift. um, And in that mindset shift, help them align their biological wiring with what they believe in their mind and their heart. Mm, That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I think... um, especially in church world, Kobe, this is a, this is a novel thing. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that the conversation is beginning, but I'm rolling in a lot of different circles. I'll travel and speak in different churches and stuff. And there are certain types of circles of Christendom that are really going to push back on this kind of experiential Mm thing. What I am, you know, here's what we talk. We have a course called pain to purpose that we launch in churches. And one of the things I talk through in that course is how Jesus teaches us that he's the best teacher that there ever was. Isaiah 30 says Mm -hmm. the teacher will hide himself no more. Right. And that there are three different types of learning styles. There's auditory, there's visual, and there's kinesthetic. That third type kinesthetic is the most powerful one because it's an experiential it's involving your students. And this is how Jesus taught as a rabbi. And if we experience trauma, the way that he's going to unravel our trauma is we're going to experience different uh, settings or circumstances that will help help that to rewire. Sometimes that's through other people. Sometimes that's through, excuse me, particular circumstances. So I love what you're saying, but there's going to be, and I'm sure you've experienced a lot of pushback in church world when it comes to more somatic experiential type therapy. How would you, if you're sitting with a, excuse me, if you're sitting with a pastor or a person right now who's going, I don't know, but all I need is like, I just need the truth of God's word. That's it. I just need the truth of, which is, that's not a, I'm not arguing that, but I am saying there's more underneath that. What would you say to me? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm opening up a can of worms right here, Kobe. (laughs) You are, you are, you are opening up a can of worms. To be honest, I think that probably about three years ago, I stopped trying to convince people. Mm. 
You know, I, st- I stopped trying to say like, I would, for people who are genuinely curious, absolutely, let's talk about it. But yeah. for people who are kind of like defend the point, I stopped engaging, you know, and I was praying about it and felt like the Lord was like, there's a reason why, you know, over 75% of the healings I've done are outside the temple. Because sometimes mm. people just need to see the proof before they step out of the structures to get the truth. You know, um, and some people are wow. are married to, um, you know, are married to the certainty that that structures and positions give. But God moves in spontaneity. We see that in the life of Jesus. Mm. The Jesus does not just plan to go places. He go place. He goes places, and someone brings a, ch- a child. He was walking, and he sees someone being carried away. Yeah. Jesus operates in spontaneity, and the Holy Spirit operates in spontaneity, and that requires our yielding and our our consistent attention. Yes. Um, and so I've said this to to pastors and leaders is like um, the Holy Spirit's going to move regardless, <laughs> you know. And and if you He wants to heal in the temple, and if you won't make space for it, He'll He'll do it in a therapist's office. And that's literally what's happened. Mm. Is like what's actually interesting is there was like a move probably two, three years ago. I've talked to a couple of therapist friends where a lot of pastors were coming to therapy. Yeah. A lot of ministry leaders yeah. were like, I can't get this from my church. So I like the church I'm serving at the church I'm leading. So I'm going to go to a therapist's office. And so, um, but I would say to them, how would I put this? In the year of our Lord, 2023, we have not exhausted the ways in which God can manifest his power. Mm. And we have Mm. to stop thinking that we have reached the end of understanding of how an infinite God can move. An infinite God can heal infinitely. An infinite God can move infinitely. Wow. If he's used a rock and a donkey and, uh, you know, yep. the the least expected people, he can and will move in ways that are unexpected. And if we want to rest in the certainty of what we think should and shouldn't happen, we're going to miss it. And I say this, because I see a lot of people who are committed to the idea of Christianity, but resistant to the movement of Christ, Mm. like resistant to the movement of the Holy Spirit. And just, and the truth is like, it's, it's just the same things like we see in in Romans, like he's going to bring it to us first, but if we don't take it, he'll give it to the world, you know, and we'll be a step behind. But I think that a lot of people, uh, Honestly, the first question I usually ask is, is that working for you? Mm. Like, is, that, is that really working for you? Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. because the word of God is not a book. The word of God is a person. Yep. In the beginning was yep. the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Jesus is the That's word right. of God. The scripture Spirit gives us access God to Jesus. was hovering over the waters. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We don't, we're not, we don't worship the book. We worship who the book leads us to, who the book gives us access so to. Um, That's so good. And because he's a personal God, the book gives us access to a God who's going to then show up personally and contextually to our situation. And so when I get people to to kind of be honest about the pain they're in, they're realizing regurgitating these things that sound good um, isn't doing anything for them. And I think that we're really in podcasts like this matter because we're stepping out of a season where we are trying to sound wise at the expense of really sharing information. 
You know, and I think the Christian platitudes are are falling flat and people want real healing. They want to understand, God, I trust you. And yet I see this person who was an abuser and my body tenses up. What do I do about it? And God, Mm. as good as he is, has an answer. And so um, the people who are willing Mm. will come. And I think the people... Uh, who need to come will come at some point. I said to a friend the other day, people don't heal because they want to, they heal because they have to. And sometimes they just haven't reached that place of desperation to say, I'm willing to try anything because I'm willing to experience. I'm desperate to experience healing. Hey, Nothing is Wasted family. Are you currently walking through a specific valley and looking for resources to help you in your pain? I think we can all attest to the fact that there is tremendous comfort in hearing from those who have walked a similar path and have found hope and healing on the other side. That's why we've created collections of resources called Curated Pathways to help you navigate your specific pain points. With Curated Pathways on topics like grief, child loss, sexual betrayal, childhood trauma, widowhood, and more, we've compiled the very best resources from Nothing Is Wasted Ministries all in one place to speak to what you're experiencing right now. Our Curated Pathways will give you access to everything we've created from past podcast episodes to bonus content, masterclasses, live coaching, and everything in between. I mean, let's admit it. When you're facing a crisis, loss, or trauma, You just don't have the time, energy, or emotional bandwidth to search for or wade through all of the resources that can help you heal. That's why we've created Curated Pathways. Now, you can get a taste of what our Curated Pathways have to offer by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. But if you're ready to go to the next level on your healing journey, you can access the full library of our resources, including the entire Curated Pathway you're looking for, by becoming a Community Plus member. For just $20 a month or $200 a year, you'll have access to the complete collection of Nothing Is Wasted Curated Pathways, as well as our entire library of masterclasses, bonus episodes, live coaching, live events, replays, and more. As a Community Plus member, you'll be able to access a new curated pathway each month as our collection grows. Our team has been working very hard on this to catalog, index, organize, and distribute our library of content in a way that will be most helpful to you or to friends and family that you know who are going through a tough time. We know what it's like to face pain, and we want to equip you with the tools you need to find hope and healing as you move from pain to purpose. Join Community Plus today at nothingiswasted.com slash communityplus, or get a taste of our curated pathways by going to nothingiswasted.com slash pathways. You can find both of those links in the show notes of this episode. We want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And we're committed to giving you resources in an easy way for you to access those so that you can do just that. Yeah. The old adage that the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. That's the only thing that's going to catapult you or propel you into the discomfort of what change is going to bring, you know? 
there, there's a yeah. lot of discomfort. There's the man on, on his mat for 38 years in John chapter five there. He's not accustomed to getting up and walking for 38 yeah. years. He was accustomed to sitting on his mat. And so there had yeah. to have been a lot of fear, a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, sure. It looks like I want to be healed, but I'm kind of yep. making excuses because this feels comfortable right here. And so yep. you're absolutely, man. I, I mean, I'm just like getting chills right now, Kobe, the things that you're, you're sharing, because this is huge. You know, this is part of the reason we exist yeah. as a ministry is to bring the healing conversations back in the church. Yes. You know, one of our certified coaches, Carissa Sprinkle, she's classic for saying that she's, you know, if you're watching this, listen to this, you know of Carissa, she's been on our podcast multiple times, but she said, I had to find healing outside the church. And that's a holy discontent for us, right? And it's like, man, so how do we create that handshake a little bit more? Because they're supposed to be in cooperation. Scripture tells us that the, you know, is it, what is it, John 4, where Jesus runs, you know, the Samaritan woman and the Samaritan woman said, you know, Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, True worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. There is a cooperation with the word of God and the spirit of God that one cannot counterbalance the other. They have to be working in tandem. That's how creation happened. And so that's how recreation or healing is going to happen as well. And so how do we make sure that, you know, I keep, I'm going to keep giving you this soapbox, Kobe. How do we make sure that handshake is actually (laughs) happening? Yeah. You know, I think the one thing God has really kindly ushered me into is um, empathizing with those who are resistant. Mm. Like behind behind the anger, behind the resistance, behind the no, we don't do that here, is usually someone who is terrified of being seen, is usually someone who's Mm. afraid. Um, and and having to remind myself of that perspective that these are not people who are just mean and resistant and don't want to see healing happen. These are people who are deeply hurting and that's how this hurt is manifesting. Yeah. And so being yeah. able afraid, to come maybe. into spaces. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Afraid for sure. That's that's number one. Um Having to have the humility to go into spaces and listen first, even when I feel like I have the solution. Mm. Wow. Going in and wow. and submitting to structures that don't agree with what I do to show them I'm willing to hear you and you're I'm willing to come where you are. Just as Jesus has been willing to come to the places uh, of people who are sick to talk to the people who shouldn't have held a conversation with him, like the woman in John four, being able to say, I'm yeah. willing to be here. I'm willing to I'm mm. willing to lay down my rules, my ideas, my feelings. I'm willing to be here and to hear you. Um, but I trust that the trust will build will allow me to be heard as well and to be curious as well. Leading with curiosity is so powerful. Um, and Jesus does it, right? Jesus, that's like the the yeah. most prominent form of of discourse when it comes to people outside of his disciples is question asking. Jesus doesn't ask a question because he didn't know the answer. He asks the question because a question demands that the person answering has to reflect before they respond. Mm. And so wow. Um, wow. going in with, with the kind curiosity that allows people to genuinely feel like I'm asking because I'm curious and not because I'm asking because I'm judging allows them to really reflect and come back with like, well, let's talk more about this, even if they're not ready to make that move. And, you know, I, I also think the truth is the the spirit and the truth can come together outside of um, the physical structure of the church. 
And I think sometimes it's hard for us to remember, but like God has made it really clear, like your, your therapy practice is your ministry. You know, this podcast mm-hmm. is the ministry, you know, your coaching right. is the ministry. Um, and we want to bring right. it back to the structure always, but the truth is, um, God isn't, you know, limited to a building. Thank God. If he was, I wouldn't know who he was, you know? So wow. um, I think that we we begin to show that handshake with humility. And it's always the person who has like the most knowledge in whatever space is being addressed that's called to the highest form of humility. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So good. Okay, I have a question. Maybe you don't feel comfortable answering this question, but I'm I am really curious because as you're as you're talking, yeah. I'm going, "Wow, she's a powerhouse. She her voice needs to be heard within the mm-hmm. church. There's you're a change yeah. agent, right? I can I can see that. Um and I but I'm curious your experience as especially when it comes to um uh, contending for fighting for this kind of uh, paradigm shift in the church, yeah. especially, or with the body of Christ. I'm curious your experience as a woman of color. Yeah. I'm just curious how, how that has been <laughs> for you. Right. And here's a white male, right. Yeah. That's asking you this because I know yeah. that I don't have to overcome some of the things that often you know, women and women of color particularly are having to overcome when it comes to the structures of churches, the local church structure, right? And leadership structures and authority. There's so much that you're probably having to, obstacles you're running up against overcome. What's that experience been like for you? Yeah, well, I will say this, you know, my home church is incredibly honoring, it's incredibly mm. supportive. They're amazing. I'm preaching next week. So they're, oh, you know, they're the great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, they're incredible. But I think in other spaces, um, and that's a lot of the reason why I even, you know, wrote a book and and used social media in the ways I've used it and created in my own community is because, you know, I decided, is this about getting platformed or is this about reaching people? Awesome. So good. And so just having to say, like, I'm just going to make a place where people can come and get the information because it is hard. You know, for those of you who don't see me on camera, I'm a dark skinned black woman with cornrows and gold hoops. And I love sneakers and I preach in sneakers and, um, (laughs) you know, I look relatively young. And so uh, I don't meet the stereotype of what people think um, wisdom is. I don't Mm. meet the stereotype of what people think um, even a therapist is, you know, a practice owner is, um, a a speaker, someone who has a seminary degree, they don't see me and think that those are the things that, um, I have or that I support or that I embody. And so I let those who, who, who hear it and sense it receive, you know, and I think that's, that's been a joy for me. Um, because oftentimes it's caused me to step back and say, okay, what matters most? What matters most, mm. what people think or or the fact that people are getting the information. And what's funny is I've actually drawn a very diverse crowd of people and not just diverse in um, racial identity, but also in age. You know, I, I have clients oh, wow. in yeah. their 60s and early 70s who are seeing, yeah. you know, a young black woman in her 20s at the time. And so mm. um, it, it hasn't been easy. I think that... Um, to be like really candid, I've found that sometimes people want my information, but they don't want me as a person. 
Um, they'll invite me into spaces to get my wisdom and then they'll repackage it with a more palatable, often white package. Um, and so I've had to be, be wise about who I share things with, wise about, um, what I share. And then also trusting that whatever I've shared with people, um, whoever it comes from that, you know, God be glorified by it, but it hasn't been very easy, (laughs) but it also hasn't been as hard as it it should be. And I think that's because God has just kind of carried me through and, Mm. and I'm grateful to be alive. (laughs) I'm not, you know, I'm not that worried about, you know, blowing up or whatever God's spoken over my life, what he's spoken and what he's spoken five, seven years ago has come to fruition. And so I'm not worried about about what else is going to come to fruition. If he said it, he'll do it. That's so good. That's so good. I rem- I remember hearing Crawford Loritz in Atlanta. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he said, mm-hmm. "No mortal man can steal for you what God has intended for you." Yeah. And so if God's spoken it over your life, right? There is nothing that's going to. There is no door that cannot be opened by Him, and there is no Absolutely. door that cannot be shut by Him. That it's going yeah. to, as long as we're walking in step with him, really the only person that can sabotage God's intended desire for our life is us, right? Like yes. we're the one that <laughs> yeah. can cause the major yep. detour. And so if we can just walk in trust yeah. and in step, the other outst- outside factors and external circumstances, they can't be obstacles to him. So that's, man, yeah. what a what a fresh perspective, Kobe. I appreciate you sharing that and yeah. letting me ask that question. Um, of course, of course. I, I want to dive into a little bit of your book. You know, you wrote this book, Why Am I Like This? How to Break Cycles, yes. Heal from Trauma and Restore Your Faith. I feel like we can talk for the next three hours about this, right? Because every sure. one of us <laughs> have these cycles that we are finding ourselves in. We're trying to heal from trauma. Some of us are just becoming aware of the fact that we have trauma, Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm curious, right? And the way that we become aware often is through triggers. Yep. You know what we would term triggers. How would you How would you delineate a trigger mm-hmm. from just a sense of discomfort? Because I find that that is Ooh. right now, as we yeah. are, you know, in the, the the conversation is is more in vogue, right? People are talking about this, and people are using yes. that word trigger flippantly. And yeah. there absolutely are very real triggers in people's lives. And then there's just discomfort in people's lives. How do you yes. delineate that? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. And I talk about that a little bit in the book. So a trigger is something that is directly tied to the past, like a past moment. You, you may not realize that, right? You may feel discomfort and not realize that that discomfort is a trigger, right? And I also want to remind people that triggers are not just like flashbacks or images. You can have emotional flashbacks, meaning you can mm. all of a sudden feel really angry and have no clue why because your body's having an emotional flashback to something, right? But I think that what's important to remember is a trigger is a reaction. Reactions mm. are involuntary, right? So okay. we don't yeah. control when triggers appear, we do have control over how we respond to the trigger that that automatically appeared. Um, Mm. And when we feel discomfort, we still have the mental capacity to make informed choices, right? And that means that we get to respond instead of react, right? Right. When you're really, when my kid uh, throws his food on the ground and says, mommy, I don't want this today, Um, there was a point where that was a trigger and I would get angry and be like, you're going to eat this. 
without even realizing I did that and be like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. But through healing, through processing, now I can take a deep breath and say, I understand you don't want to eat that right now, Levi, but that's what we're having for dinner. And that's Mm -hmm. all I'm making for you. So like, that's your choice. Right. So Mm -hmm. in one of those, I have a, um, it's a reaction and one of those I have an informed choice. So I think that what is what is so difficult about healing is um so much of it's personal, so much of it's contextual, right? Cause I know mm. people who are like, I'm not triggered, and I'm like, you are. <laughs> and I know people who are like, <laughs> I'm triggered, and I'm like, I don't know. You know? Um, but I I think that for people who tend to say, I've been triggered, I've been triggered, I've been triggered. There's only so long you can say, I've been triggered without finishing the sentence and saying, by what and because of what, right? Mm. Because we're not meant to just say, I'm triggered. We're meant to understand what the trigger is tied to in the past and resolve that so we stop being triggered. So for people, uh, maybe my clients who are like, that was triggering, I'll say, "What what did that trigger? What did that trigger yeah. tie back to? Yeah. Right. You're forcing and, and, you're and, forcing an awareness of that and for yes. them to begin to label this and say, okay, yeah. wow. Yeah. Cause I'm triggered cannot it can't just be a blanket for a reason why you're not held accountable for the ways that you've responded to Ooh. something. Kobe. It can't oh just be gosh. a blanket. It, you know, it can't just be like, well, I'm wow. triggered. And so if you respond to me in a way that holds me accountable, now you're not trauma informed. No, even when we are triggered, we're still held accountable. That's just a fact, wow. right? But we're called to understand. So encouraging people like, okay, you're triggered, but like, what are you triggered by? And, and what is it because of? Do you know? Yeah. Because like now it's now that you know you've been triggered several times by the same thing, it's now your responsibility to understand why that trigger exists. And if you don't have the capacity to do that, that's why professional help is available, Mm. right? That's why things like this podcast, your courses, your coaching therapy, that's why those things exist to help you get to a place where you can understand the triggers because saying I'm triggered and staying there is, is not healthy for you or the people around you. That's right. That's right. My goodness. I can see why your therapy is so helpful for people and why your voice is, is, is for a time such as this, because that is exactly the crossroads that everybody is at as this trauma conversation is coming in vogue. Um, it can often be used to weaponize or to justify staying the same Yeah. instead of using it as a tool to become aware and going, okay, this is part of me now understanding who, who I am supposed to become in Christ in furthering yeah. my sanctification. Um, yeah. You know, Victor Frankl, to, the Holocaust survivor. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. And then you go ahead, you go ahead. I was just going to say that, that Victor Frankl, the Holocaust survivor wrote Man's Search for Meaning. He said, he props up the mm-hmm. same exact thing you're saying, right? There has to be, yeah. he says, between stimulus and response, there has to be space. The greater yeah. that you can create that space, the more that you're able to make wise, well-informed decisions in the moments yep. that you're triggered. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I was just going to say that like, we have to remember that gaining an understanding of what we've been through is meant to give us empathy um, and resource to do the work. Right. Mm. 
The empathy we develop mm-hmm. for ourselves is meant to be, one, to help us see ourselves as God sees us, to develop a correct perspective, because that perspective has wow. been skewed of ourselves, of the world, and of God. But then that is meant to motivate us to move into alignment of the truth that we've discovered of ourselves. I am triggered, meaning that I am at the mercy of the responses of the people around me at all times. And yet that's not who God's called me to be, right? We're meant to affect each other for sure, but am I meant to be at the mercy of other people's responses to my own detriment and sometimes to the detriment of other people? No, now my responsibility is to take the necessary steps. Are you gonna mess up? Yes. Are you gonna fall? Yes. Failing is a part of learning. Right. I tell my kid all that all the time. We play on Wii uh, volleyball and I'd be smacking him. I'd be beating him up on that Wii. And he's like, mommy, I lost. I'm like, learn it. Like losing is how we learn. And now he's really good at it. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so sometimes falling, failing is how we learn um, to keep going. We're building resistance. We're building resilience. Yeah. Um, and just reminding people that like, it's okay if you're trying not to be triggered or that you're tending to your triggers and you still get triggered. That's okay. The goal is not to eliminate all triggers. The goal is to decrease the frequency and increase the awareness. Mm, So good. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a quick moment to connect you with a free resource that I know will be helpful in your pain to purpose journey. It's our free seven day devotional that you can sign up for right now. With this devotional, you'll get seven daily devotions that I wrote. We'll deliver them directly to your inbox each morning for seven days. These are adapted from our pain to purpose 42 day devotional and are full of daily scripture readings, questions to reflect upon and prayer prompts to help you focus your heart. If you're looking for some encouragement and whatever you're facing, this is it. And listen, the best part about it, it's completely free. All you have to do is go to devo.nothingiswasted.com. Again, that's devo.nothingiswasted.com to sign up for this seven-day devotional. Now, I don't know your story, but what I do know is that God isn't done with it. Whether you've endured a recent loss, a divorce, an unexpected diagnosis or some other painful reality, God wants to give you hope when it seems like all hope is lost. Let's take seven days together to find that hope in whatever you're walking through. Sign up today at devo.nothingiswasted.com. You, you kind of started to go bring this up a little bit. So I want to, I want to mm-hmm. dive a little bit deeper into this, but identity, I mean, there is yeah. a role that identity plays in our mental and spiritual health. What, sure. To what degree, to what extent unpack that a little bit more for, for I us. Mean, it's at the core of all healing because one thing trauma affects is our identity. That's the number one thing trauma affects, mm-hmm. right? So trauma is not the moment. Trauma is not what happened to you. Trauma is how what happened to you affects you every day, right? Mm-hmm. Because that moment, wow, it's kind of like someone like taking a hammer and like hitting you. The hammer can be thrown in the trash. That person could be gone, but now you have to live with the limp. The trauma is the limp. The trauma is the damage done, right? And so what trauma does is it skews our perspective of ourself. 
It gives us what we call this negative core belief, this belief about ourselves that we attach to ourselves or that is attached to us because of the experience that we have. And so we begin to live out of that. You know, my book, I mentioned we live in the stories we tell ourselves and the stories Mm. we tell ourselves are based on the experiences we've had. This person never showed up for me, so I am unworthy. And then you begin to live as if you're unworthy. Right. And so at the core of that is the shift in identity. When we shift the identity, we get the resources start changing how we show up in the world. Mm, That's so good. I mean, I'm just thinking about that particular example. If you, if you begin to believe that you are unworthy because someone didn't show up for you, you will either flesh that out and being combative and trying to prove to people that you are worthy to be shown up for, or Mm -hmm. you become, you know, paralyzed and despondent where you just kind of operate out of this 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 shame this self-loathing and you know yep. unravel things in your life like there's that's so good because you can begin to see how your behaviors begin to um, manifest themselves out of this core belief that trauma yep. has fractured or fragmented wow yep. so good Absolutely. okay so um how does you know i know you talked a little bit about how you begin to see god in your own particular story and mm. how you begin to see how he felt about what happened to you. Um, what, what in general would be God's response? Let me ask two parts of this question. What in general is God's yeah. response to our, what we've been through, right? Yeah. Uh, that can, it's true of everybody, but then like, how do we begin to discover specifically how God feels about what we've gone through? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So it's a question one. I would say God's response is comfort. God's response mm. is comfort and provision. You know, how do we know that? We look at Numbers uh, 11. Moses says like, okay, I'm done leading these people. Mm. I'm done. If yeah. if you have mercy on me, just kill me. I, did I lead them into the desert, God? I'm done, right? Yeah. He literally expresses suicidal ideation. And God never addresses the suicidal ideation. Mm. He literally says, go and get 70 elders and bring them to stand with you. Yeah, wow. Right? God doesn't address the way our pain manifests all the time. Some He's most concerned with what's causing the pain. He never addresses suicidal ideation, right? He addressed the mm. pain that led to the suicidal ideation. The same thing's true of 1 Kings 19 with Elijah, right? Yeah, like he's, right. Uh, you know, laying under the tree, ready to die. He says, I'm no better than my ancestors. Right. Like, take my life. He goes to sleep and he wakes up to what? Provision, to comfort. An angel comes and doesn't say, how dare you be suicidal? Hasn't God been good to you? He said, here's some water and here's some bread. Go back to sleep. Go Mm. back to resting, right? Because you're weary. And I think a lot of us are weary. We're in a place of not just physical exhaustion, but spiritual exhaustion. And God doesn't make us push through spiritual exhaustion. He provides comfort and resource provision for that spiritual exhaustion. Mm. Um, And when we get that, we can get to continue, right? Moses expresses that suicidal ideation and then continues leading the people because God provided. Elijah expresses that suicidal ideation, then continues on his journey. Why? Because God provides provision. Mm. And so helping my clients get the shift of like, what is God providing for you right now? Wow. Because everything in scripture shows us that when you are at the bottom of your your capacity when you were at the end of the rope, God is going to provide. Mm. That's what he does. Wow. Whew, that's so good. Man. 
I love, I mean, yeah. I, I love that we see that stuff in scripture, right? Yeah. Again, going back to what we talked about earlier, that these two things aren't at odds. Yeah. And actually, nope. if you begin to understand scripture is trauma informed, because guess what? God created our bodies, our hearts, our minds, our spirit, yeah. right? Like, if we begin to understand how integrated we are, we can also see scripture through the lens of how trauma informed God really is. Yeah. And that these two things yeah. do not have to be mutually exclusive. And that's so, I mean, the, that's so great. Yeah. The Bible is a book about trauma recovery. It is literally that's a trauma exactly, recovery book. That's the narrative of scripture. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. That's so good. So, you know, one of the questions we get a lot here is um, where do I begin, right? Like so, there's a lot of people who are tuning in to this podcast because a friend re referred them to it. So, oh my, you know, they just, they just experienced a loss or they're going through a really difficult time or they're seeing some, some suppressed unaddressed trauma begin to unearth itself in their own lives. And they're going, you know, so they're getting referred. So they're probably, maybe some people are listening to this for the very first time and they happen to come across mm -hmm. your episode Kobe yeah. and they're going, okay, this is, this is paradigm shifting for me, but yeah. where do I begin? Right. Because this can, this could seem like it'd be a very long journey to unravel some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so simple, but I think it's so powerful. Um, ask, answer these two questions and ask yourself these two questions. What hurts and when did it start hurting? Mm. Wow. What hurts and when did it start hurting? Yeah. What hurts? When did it start hurting? Because I think a lot of us, are, we've, we've been so in pain for so long that we don't even know where it started. And if we don't know where it started, how it started, it's hard to understand how to stop it. It's hard to understand yeah. like what to even ask for. Um, and then also with the what hurts, gaining perspective of like our personal value. You know, I have a twin sister. My husband's a twin as well. And so it's really interesting. We talk a lot about how we all grew up like pretty similar in the pairs. We grew up similarly, but the things that hurt us are di look wildly different. The things mm. that we extracted from our experiences are wildly different. So I mean, it might seem like, oh, the answer is obvious, but no, the answer is personal. Mm. And whatever that personal thing is, that's what God wants to show up for. Wow. And would you say that this would be true in those questions? Um, and you can like totally, just like you, you know, completely annihilate your kid in volleyball. You can just like send this one right back and, <laughs> and just like kill, you know, make a kill right now. But the, yeah. would you say that when you start asking those two questions, what hurts and when did it start hurting? Mm -hmm. That the temptation is going to be to, to, uh, lodge that win into what the triggers you've been feeling recently when mm. in fact there's probably something even more further back or underneath that in most cases yeah. that that is the actual yeah. start but it's a little bit more difficult to uncover that actual start Oh yeah, yeah. So the, again, that that was the starting point. If I were to help them go even deeper, I would say, "What hurts? When did it start hurting? And what does that remind you of?" Mm. Right. So okay. Like, that's with wow. My clients, wow. They might say, "Like, man, they might come in because a friendship disintegrated," and they're like, "Man, like, I really started feeling this way when this friendship disintegrated." And I'll say, "What does that remind you of? 
Well, it reminds me of the time where I thought that I could trust my mom with my secret and, you know, she betrayed me and she told my dad and I felt really sad. And it's like, and when else have you felt that sadness? Mm. Right. There, tra- the trauma, especially emotional trauma and relational trauma, is often a thread yeah. that's like weaved throughout our lives and this motif that's playing out um, that we don't see because we're so accustomed to it. And so most therapists will, will say, you know, what does that remind you of? When's the first time you felt that? When's wow. the first time? When's the first time you remember feeling disappointed? When's the first time you remember feeling betrayed? And oftentimes the first time we remember cognitively is not actually the first time. It's really just the most impactful time. And that's why we can remember it so clearly. Wow. Wow. Man. Or the most recent time. I'm going to pull on this thread yeah. a little bit more. Okay. I was going to close this mm-hmm. conversation, but you just opened up a can of worms. So here we go. Um, <laughs> okay. So in that vein, you know, mm. you as you begin to, how much of that, you know, as we're becoming more self-aware, as we're trying to heal from the trauma that we've experienced that has impacted us, but you said that a lot of relational pain is a thread where it's almost recurring, right? It continues to recur in our lives. Yeah. With with relationships, it involves two people or multiple people, right? And so how much of that thread do it is, us bringing something into that that is almost yeah. like a self-fulfilling prophecies or yeah. it's invoking some of that and yep. how much of it is not. And I'm sure it's different in every situation, but how do we begin to like speak to that a little bit? How do we begin to parse those two things out? Yeah, I would say there is no way that the same situation can happen in different seasons uh, with different people without our contribution. Right. So when I talk to my clients, mm. I often say, if you are playing the same character in the same story in in different times, then like you, there's a relational wound that you have um, that is making it possible for people to continue to show up in your life this way. Right. Um, oh my gosh. And wow. so we're always a contributor. Right. That's that's how systems work. We are always a contributor, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, whether it's intentional or unintentional, whether it's in a big way or a small way. uh, We are always a contributor to it. And the question is, what values do I have that allow people in my life to contribute? For some people, it's just simply feeling like I can't speak up because speaking up is rude. And so I let mm. people speak to me in ways that can be verbally abusive. So I keep on ending up in verbally abusive relationships and I hate them. But to get out of the verbally abusive relationship, I would have to betray the values of my family of origin. True. Wow. Wow. I think we all have to kind of let that sit a little bit like that. I mean, that was one example, right? But I think we can probably, yeah. if we're, if we would take some moment to reflect, we we could all see that pattern or some form of that pattern happening in our own lives. Yep. Especially if you've yep. lived life long enough, right? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. 38 years old. You know, almost. Actually, I'm only 37. <laughs> you start to lose track of that, but I've at least <laughs> lived so long enough. Once you get that, then you're like, well, I don't even know. Once we're near 40, I don't even know. It doesn't even matter anymore. But you know, I've at least lived long enough to be able to go, I can see that happen in my life. I can see places where I am continually experiencing the same thing. It reminds me of the Israelites where they're like going in circles in the wilderness and God keeps trying to pull out of them this false old identity of slaves and put inside yeah. of them this identity of sons and daughters, but they yeah. keep 
they can't quite get that flywheel to turn over in their own mindsets. Yep. And what a powerful thing to begin to be aware of that in our own lives. Wow. Yep. Absolutely. Wow. Kobe, thank you. This is yeah. Go ahead. Go go. No, I want you to keep talking. Go ahead. I'm not closing it until oh, no. you you're done talking. <laughs> <laughs> this is, the last this thing is so I'll say. good. This say, is rich. I'll say that some people, um, some people hear that and they feel a sense of shame. They feel a sense mm. of like, oh no, like I've been contributing to this, and I just want to speak against that shame and invite you into the truth that this is God giving you information to empower you. This is God showing that you that He's giving you power to change your situation. Yep. Wow. Right. Wow. When you become aware of how you've contributed to it, you also begin to develop um, an understanding of the choices that you can make, the new choices you can make. So I know some people are like you're telling me this is my fault. I'm like, no, I'm no. not saying this is your fault, yeah. but I am saying you have the power to change wow. how it happens in your life. Wow. That's so good, man. Kobe, this has been incredible. Uh, I, every exactly. single person who's watching this, listens, listening to this, you need to pick up Why Am I Like This, which is yes. Kobe's most recent book, How to Break Cycles, Heal from Trauma and Restore Your Faith. You know, we say often here that unless you let God transform your pain, you're going to transfer your pain onto other people. Oof. And sometimes you won't yep. even be aware of it. And so yep. I know that this conversation has and is helping people. I know that this resource, this book that you have written, Kobe is going to help people. And so we want to make sure that we make that easily accessible to you guys. It's going to be right there in the show notes. It'll be right there on the YouTube page. You can access it really easily. Kobe, thank you so much for spending time with us. This thank has been incredible. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. Wow. What'd you think, Benita? That was really powerful, Damie. Yeah. I I just, yeah, loved so many of the things that she said about um, God seeing us and yeah. about unhealed wounds and just really going to God with them, naming them. There's just so many things. Um, so yeah. I, yeah. yeah, would love to talk about the whole thing, but oh, I know man. we have to focus on a few. Yeah, well, it never ceases to amaze me, you know, um, when, when I have the opportunity to travel and speak at different churches or or just have one-on-one -on -one conversations that there there are there are so many people who they recognize, you know, or, or maybe for the first time as they're hearing about they're given being given permission to talk about their pain, they recognize there are some unhealed wounds, but they just don't know where to go with that. Right. They don't even know how to like how do I know if I have some unhealed wounds? How do I and that's what was really cool about what Kobe was talking about with triggers. Right. Yeah. I think we often get triggered by something, but we don't know what to do with it. Like we have an instinctive reaction to something, even just watching a movie, listening to something. Yeah. And we, it, it, maybe we can tell by it, it makes us cry. It makes us react, but we don't know what to do with that. And yeah. I think for me, um, Davey, it was, identifying those um, kind of triggers or unhealed wounds and then kind of going the next step and saying, what are the lies we've believed? Like, why mm. is this triggering me? Why is this um, producing an, a reaction that's completely outsized to right. what's happened? Right. And I think that's where God really can bring healing is, is identifying both of those things. Mm, that's so good. You know, uh, recently my wife, Christy, texted me something um, you know, and I won't go into the details of it, but she she sent me a text about a conversation she had with somebody. And in the, the topic of the conversation was something I had thought I had really like, had really dealt with, healed through, filed away, it was done. But when she texted me the details of that conversation, something like emerged in me. And I was like, 
whoa, why did that, why did I feel that in my body? You know, it should have, as I'm thinking in my own mind, right? Wow, I should not have reacted that way. I shouldn't have felt that. And I think, first of all, what I want to point out is that one of the ways we know that we're triggered, even if it's not like this lashing out trigger, but it just is a feeling of discomfort, feeling of, there's some kind of a visceral feeling inside of your body to, to get curious and go, well, what was that? Hold on a second, right? Because the alternative to that is we, we either stuff it or we just, we carry that and it begins to come out sideways on other people. And we don't know, we don't even know why, because we're not getting curious enough. Yep. You know, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 139, search me, oh God. And I think that's that idea of like, okay, God, what's going on here? And I had to take a moment and just go, and I told Christy, I was on it. And I think it's really important to be honest with her. I told her, I said, wow, that brought something up in me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I need to go and explore. I don't know why. And she was like, really? I thought you had been past that. I'm like, I thought I was too. So now I got to get curious. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, that's a great point, Davey. Sometimes we feel like we should be past it. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of it is we're like, I processed that. Maybe I've gone to counseling with that. I've talked to people about that. So I, this can't be coming up again. And so we right. squelch it. I mean, I know I do, you know, from different pieces of pain. And then when it comes up, it's like, okay, I can deal with this again versus feeling like we always feel like we have to make progress. And somehow if something comes up again, and Kobe yeah. said that beautifully in the interview when she talked about, she felt like she had deliverance and then anxiety came back. Mm. It was like, whoa, what is this? Wow. And I think we do that. Like we think, okay, if we've moved past it on some level, then we have no right to have that come back and somehow we're not trusting God. And and that's not true at all. And yeah. so I think people start questioning, why did that happen when God is yep. like, I bring things up in layers, I think, right. you know, when we're ready to deal with them. And so we just deal with them. That's right. That's right. Well, and what's really wild, and, you know, this is like, I feel like I'm about to dive into, you know, nothing is wasted 2.0. We don't really talk about all this a whole lot, but I'm learning a whole lot about, how much our body and our subconscious carries trauma that's not yet in our conscious cognitive frame of mind. So, you know, what's what's already in our cognitive frame of mind, we're able to process through, speak out loud, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, your traditional counseling and therapy really helps with that. And then we can go, oh, all right, I see the lie, you know, the with the power of a therapist or something, you guys can kind of figure out, okay, this is where this is not lining up with the truth the truth of God's word. I see a lie that I'm believing and now I need to replace that lie. And all of that can happen in the conscious mind. But there is a whole lot that many of us have experienced things that we're going to be feeling and dealing with in our bodies that we don't even, we're not sure of yet. And so God in his graciousness will bring some of those things to mind or the red light indicator of that is a trigger. And we have to go, oh, okay. All right, let's dive it. Let's figure, let's see what's where that is. Let's pull the thread on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's really helpful when other people can reflect back to us our body language because oh, we, yeah. we have words we say, but our body language is often saying something totally different. And that's a real gift when somebody can say, is, is willing to say, hey, it mm. seems like you're upset or something, you know, you're what you're saying isn't matching what your body right. is saying. And our bodies really don't lie. They they are going to tell things that we are trying to tell our mind we should believe, but we haven't right. gotten there. And I think that's a really important thing is just paying attention to our bodies. And yep. I think Kobe does that really beautifully, like paying attention yeah. um, to what's happening. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love the question she said. And I think this was like the highlight of the interview. I mean, there were so many good things that she said, but for me, the biggest aha moment was when she said, ask yourself these two questions, what hurts and when did it start hurting? And that is such an easy, accessible way for us to go, what is the origin of this? Where, what is this coming from? And to almost force ourselves to slow down, create space and get curious about that. And I think that's where we go awry in our culture today, Vanitha. We don't slow down enough to go, I need to process this. In fact, what was interesting about that particular thing that I was realizing, oh, that's coming up. I had a, uh, I was actually away speaking and I had a, a seven hour drive with our coaching director, our church development director, Ken Roberts. And that was probably truthfully because of the season of my life. I'm just being candid. I, I'm in such a busy go mode right now with our ministry and stuff that I may not have had the space to really process had I not been sitting with him in the car for seven hours. And he's he had undergone a similar experience to what my particular trauma was with that. And and so I got a chance to go, hey, Ken, I'm, I felt I'm dealing with, I don't know what this is. Can you help me untangle this? And it, it was like, but the point is, is I thought about that afterwards. I was like, Man, when else would I would have had would have created space? And that was an alarm to me. Going, I got to spend more time creating space to process through and think through some of these things, or let the Lord bring them to my mind or to my conscious presence of like, oh, here's where some healing still needs to happen. Yeah, and I love that you were in the car with a friend because mm-hmm. I think some of us who are verbal processors, like we actually want to process it with someone. So I think a lot of the truths that we learn today would be great if it triggers something in you to say, hey, I wonder if I have a friend that I can just kind of say where, you know, what hurts and when did it start hurting? And just kind of talking it through with someone is in a lot of ways as good as therapy. It's just actually getting to say those words out loud and process them with someone. That's so good. Actually, you're right. It, It can be as good as therapy and a lot more economical too. <laughs> <laughs> you know? If you have safe, trusted friendship and community that knows how to hold space for that, you know, and that's something we we love to do here at Nothing Is Wasted. I mean, that we are providing so many resources for you. If you're currently going through a valley, if someone else in your life is going through a valley, and we want to help you get connected with safe, trusted community, we have coaches who could sit and co- they've they've gone through the exact same thing that you've gone through. We have so many resources: the Pain to Purpose course, this master classes that Vanita, you're going to be teaching a master class tonight. Uh, you can go back and access that on Community Plus. But if you're trying to figure out how do I get started, how do I just okay? I I love the podcast. I love the episodes. Where can I dive deeper? I would encourage you to go to our five steps to taking back your story Zoom call. We do this every other week. It's on a Thursday in the middle of the day so that you can just kind of carve out some time and um, and spend some time with me. I do it live. So it's it's not like a webinar where like, oh, cool, I have to go in the chat. Like we're actually interacting live. You turn your video on, we're talking to each other. But it's a great time for us to just start. Okay, here's how you get started. And we'll, we'll introduce you to some other resources that we have here at Nothing Is Wasted uh, Ministries. Just go to nothingiswasted.com slash start here nothingiswasted.com slash start here. The link will be in the show notes as well as the YouTube page right here. And um, Vanitha, I'm excited for you to spend some more time with us over the next few episodes. This is going to be, you actually take an interview, which is awesome. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, I love doing you, this. Well, you should do it a lot more. I know we've been encouraging you. I think you need to like do a podcast or get started. You started 
a uh, podcast with the release of your book, right? It was yeah, a pretty, yeah. Was a I did eight episodes, thing. and I I really loved that. Just hearing <sighs> other people's stories is so inspiring. So, well, it was there. an incredible podcast, and so. Maybe we can convince you to keep it going, Vanitha. That would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can download or stream his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. Make sure you go and uh, follow us on Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn. Vanitha, are you on Instagram? I am Vanitha Reisner. And Facebook, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, all of her the great stuff that she's doing. She's a great writer, has all kinds of good content for people. Um, and books. The what the most recent book that you have released? Um, it's a Bible study. Tell me a little bit about it. Um, it's called Desperate for Hope: Questions We Ask God in Suffering, Loss, and Longing. And it's really six questions that we ask, like, if God loves me, why did this happen? And what if the worst happens? And wow, just how important it is to go to God to go to God with our questions because He wants to answer them. And I think often as Christians, we think, oh, we just need to trust. And we do need to trust, mm-hmm. but trust comes from relationship and and finding God faithful. And so that's really what it's about is, wow. is go to God. That's great. That's great. Well, Vanitha will be with me next week. And we're having a conversation with Natalie Runyon. And Natalie has been, she's been gaining quite a bit of popularity and a, a platform around this idea. She has an organization called Raise to Stay, and man, she's an incredible Instagram follow. So we get to have we get to dive into a deep conversation with her. It's great. Why don't you take a listen to a little clip from my conversation with Natalie Runyon? There are wolves in sheep's clothing. We know this, right? So we know that it's been proven that there are people that are in ministry who are being used by the enemy to hurt people. We know this. My account gets a little bit in trouble because my tagline is challenging the church, which I think we're doing well. We're saying, hey, let's not abuse people. And then championing the saints or challenging the saints to say, yes, there are sheep in wolves clothing, but there are also sheep crying wolf. Yeah, yeah. And we have to be really careful. This is where that whole like wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove comes into play as leaders. Because when somebody comes into our church and they say, I've been abused by the church, that's a massive statement that is being made. That's a huge accusation, yeah. And we have to understand, we're going to be held accountable when we get to heaven. We will be held accountable for calling leaders abusers who were not truly abusers. Wow. Wow. Just as abusers are going to be held accountable for abusing the sheep. Mm. So we have to walk this fine line of understanding that we all can be a Saul. We all can be a Judas. Mm. Our prayer is that we will be a Paul, <laughs> right? Yes, yes. And so there has to be a humility and that only comes through, through the power of the Holy Spirit to step into a church and say, these are humans leading a holy, holy space. And it is inevitable that humans are going to jack this thing up. Mm. And so when I hear a pastor preach, I am always hearing it through the lens of, this is a man who is doing his very best to give me the holy word of God. Mm. And there is a chance that this man, as well as many other people in this building, are going to be very human and they could be a Judas at my table. I I know that that is a chance. But I also believe that if I, as a Timothy, am sitting in this room, 
that just that there could be a Judas, there could be a Saul, but I am going to trust that there are a million other Pauls ready to come mm. around side me and love me, even though there's a chance that I'm going to be betrayed or hurt. And that is the posture I have to take every time I walk into a church and choose to love people is that, yes, I could get hurt. I could be abused. I I could hurt. I could abuse. But I'm going to choose that God is so good that He is going to make all things work out for His glory and for my good. And I'm willing to take that chance. 